Kia ora, and welcome to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast, brought to you by CoreLogic, produced by Agents TV, for the 30th of November, 2020. I'm Head of Research, Nick Goodall, and I'm joined by our Senior Property Economist, Calvin Davidson, down in Christchurch. Calvin, well, wow, wee, what a time to work in the property market industry, mate. It is certainly not a uh, quiet time at all. How are you going, anyway? Yeah, very good. Yeah, that is pretty exciting. Well, if you uh, take your excitement from political debate, then yeah, pretty pretty exciting time to be uh, in the market. Um, yeah, going good. We've got our Christmas tree up now, so uh, that's a uh, bit of excitement for the kids and um, probably almost the highlight of the weekend. Uh, got to have the lights on every morning, so yeah, it feels, uh, feels a little bit festive. Arguably, it might be a little bit too early, but um, there you go. And yeah, um, all the sporting results are pretty good over the weekend, apart from your Apart from your Tanifa, which uh, maybe you elaborate elaborate on. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I didn't end up making the trip up to uh, Napier, uh, so I suppose just took the took the uh, chance to to get away and, and do something a bit different, um, and and you know go and watch my team in a final, which was pretty special. But uh, yeah, certainly the result was didn't go our way. But you know, it's it's very firmly the case of Hawks Bay just being too goddamn good, and the Tony Far just not quite being up to it. Um, you know, first final in 23 years, and we haven't exactly been that great in the general NPC. So not too much of a surprise. And uh, you take the old cliche that they'll learn lots from losing the final. I do note that Hawks Bay lost the final last year, so maybe next year will be our time. But yeah, bad 10-minute period in that second half really hurt us, and and we uh, look pretty gassed after that too. So I just think you know. Got a credit to the uh, the quality of Hawks Bay, but you know I wasn't too despondent. Um, it was uh, it was nice to just get away as well and caught up with a, a mate or two up in up in Napier as well. So yeah, we'll take that mate and, and move on. And obviously the ABs as well. Uh, pretty impressive result on the weekend, but uh, yeah, you know certainly probably more what we expect. And just nice to see them put it together because it has been a few weeks since they've done that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, for for stats people, the cricket was uh, pretty good too. I, I don't have all the stats off the top of my head, but um, yeah, when you get fast hundreds and and all these things, uh, big partnerships that uh, you know, you check out the stats records. So always enjoy a bit of that. But um, yeah, nice to see some some cricket back. You know, been a fair old while, and um, you know how the whole spark sport versus versus sky thing goes. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, happy to have cricket back. Yeah, and plenty of sixes too, which is, you know, what the general public seems to enjoy. Um, yeah, I've have noticed a few comments on social media about people going, where is it? Where's the cricket on? Because it was obviously free on Mon- on Friday, sorry, and then not free yesterday afternoon. Um, so, yeah, that, that that access not being great for many people is going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But, hey, mate, let's uh, let's leave the intro chat there and we'll get into this uh, this property chat. <clears throat> and look, the um, you know, as, as, as I sort of said, you know, what a time to be in the market at all or in the industry. You know, it's absolutely a political hotbed at the moment with the discussion around the market. I do want to firstly touch on, you know, once again, the Prime Minister referenced our, our first home buyer data just to talk about the strength of those first home buyers. Um, so good to see that, that that our data is getting out there and through the through the government agencies as well. Um, of course, you said you know the same in the same token. You know, yes, first home buyer activity might be strong, and that's based on our report recently. But of course, they're not resting on their laurels, and they know there's some significant challenges upcoming with the um, with the rate that prices are growing at the moment, and that's going to take that property further and further away from from some parts of the econo- of the uh, the um, industry or some parts of the um, economy, I suppose. 
and that's obviously what they're conscious of, and that's where all this debate is coming from, especially when you, you talk about the Reserve Bank influence on the market. So I thought that based on that, of course, last week we did have the financial stability uh, report come out from the Reserve Bank. In it, they talked about um, the loan to value ratio restrictions, of course, and we also had mortgage lending data. So I thought maybe we could just sort of start there um, talk about that lending data and then just the other big discussion points from the Reserve Bank section if you wanted to, to pick that up. Yeah, the, the mortgage lending figures were surprise, surprise, very strong. There was uh, $7.8 billion of lending uh, last month, which is, I think it was a record for, for the whole series um, and, and, and up sort of almost $2 billion from the same month a year earlier. So really, really strong. Um, again, owner-occupiers contributing, first-home buyers contributing, and investors, and in particular for investors, the high LVR investors, which have, has really kicked off the debate uh, in, the, in the last few weeks. Um, consistent with our buyer classification, as, as you mentioned, just under our dirt and talked about that, and, and, and we've been talking about, I guess, the rise of investors in the market for a little while now, actually, from buyer classification. So not really new news to, to us, but... Um, yeah, it's, it's certainly getting some some air time. And then also in the note we did, uh, just, just touched on those mortgage deferral stats again and how the um, you know, they've really fallen away. People are exiting that scheme apparently without too much trouble uh, and, and, and the number of the number other stock and mortgages still in that scheme with a deferral is now down below $4 billion from $22 billion, you know, go back six months. So, yeah, all, uh, all, pretty, um, all pretty solid numbers there. In terms of the FSR, well, what it did was, and there was a bunch of other stuff, but pretty much most of the focus was on LVRs and how they're now going to come back for for both types of borrowers. So whether you're an owner-occupier or an investor, looks like LVRs will be back in place. And in fact, they probably are because the banks have, have already done it. So so yeah, owner-occupiers will, will have to find that 20% deposit, which no real change because they've had to have it anyway. And investors will have to find 30%. So, well, at least that's the indication of what the Reserve Bank will consult on. Uh, I guess no guarantee that there, there won't be the other options they could consult on as well. But yeah, for now, that's um, that's sort of what they're what they're planning to do. That consultation will be, be coming up and and looking to reinstate officially on the first of March. So, yeah, another busy week for the Reserve Bank. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, as you say, in terms of considering the impact of those LVRs coming back, I think, you know, we probably need to recognise that, as you say, yes, the banks are probably adhering to these anyway. I think all four of the biggest banks have said, you know, they're essentially requiring that 30% deposit for investors. Still wonder if there might be some investors trying to get in now before those um, those harder LVR restrictions come in. And then the other thing is, yep, okay, because we've seen that increase in high LVR, those investors that essentially previously needed a 30% deposit in the last couple of months only required a 20% deposit. We've seen that lift in that type of lending. Um, yes, of course, when that comes back harder or that restriction starts to be implemented from now from the banks themselves, yeah, of course, it's going to take some buyers out of the market. I think it's worth saying, though, that we don't think that you know, that, that marginal difference will cause much of a slowdown in, in general. There's enough demand from all other parts of the market, investors that will still be able to get in with that 30% deposit requirement. Uh, maybe the ones that weren't using that, we're just using 20%, could have gone to 30 if they wanted to as well. So I think, you know, in general, in terms of the impact on demand, we don't think it'll be that significant, not to the point where you really notice any shift in, um, in the rate of growth of the property market. And of course, we do have to wait through to, to March until they're, properly enforced um, so otherwise I think there's no real signs of you know things slowing down over the summer period um, based on that announcement or those changes or 
or the banks enforcing them straight away anyway. So I think it's worth just throwing that one out there. But then, of course, mate, the uh, other you know big headline grabber, I think, from, from Government Reserve Bank was this little exchange of letters between the Minister of Finance, Grant Robertson, and the Reserve Bank Governor, Adrian Orr. And, you know, there's been a fair amount of coverage of this, and I have to mention the, uh, the spin-off article, which kind of read between the lines of the, report, of the uh, letters and was quite entertaining, but also pretty uh, on the nose as well of, of what was kind of asked and what was kind of responded to. Um, so we're worth checking that one out if you're interested. But I think that ultimately, you know, my, my take on this, and I'll let you add your thoughts as well, is that it's a bit of a signalling of, you know, we're recognising that this is happening. We'd like to consider doing other things to impact or influence or slow the market down. But then the Reserve Bank essentially saying, look, we consider these things anyway. You know, this is the least of two, lesser of you know, two evils. And so, you know, we just have to learn to deal with this. And as a government, you'll need to, uh, you know, consider other ways to influence rather than, you know, bringing that on the Reserve Bank and monetary policy. Um, you know, where, where do you sort of sit on this one, Calvin? Because you know, I think that there's been strong criticism of Reserve Bank. There's been a strong pushback to government. Where do you, where do you kind of sit in the middle of this? Yeah, I, I don't have any hard evidence for it, but it feels like in general this has got political real fast, you know, and, and faster than it might have done. In previous cycles, as I say, I can't really test that, but it just feels like it's it's well, where where'd that come from? It's ramped up real quick. So, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of um, a few things, I've I've been thinking about it as as firstly, I guess, um, you know, I wouldn't expect any fast changes to the official Reserve Bank targets. Um, those things would probably take a little bit of time to work through, um, and also it's it gets pretty hard. You know, a central bank can get tied in knots really if if they're supposed to be looking at um, unemployment, inflation, and house prices because, you know, if you stick up, if you stick up interest rates to, to slow the rate of growth in the housing market, then, you know, most likely you're going to be putting upward pressure on unemployment at the same time or downward pressure on employment. So you can't, you can't have it all ways. And I guess, you know, there'll be cleverer people than me that can, can probably try and <clears throat> come up with some fancy target that, that tries to get around that. But you know, at face face value, it seems pretty hard to, to for the Reserve Bank to be able to do all things for all people. So, I think it's probably right that that actually the government has a also has a well clearly a key role to play in, in in managing house prices. And if anything, probably the bigger role. The Reserve Bank can do it obviously through LVRs and and that financial stability way. But doing it with pure monetary policy in terms of interest rates seems seems pretty hard. So I think it has to be either. Uh, through financial stability means or, or the government. So, yeah, um, that's probably where I sit on those things. I, I wonder whether with the LVRs, we see them go back to 30% for investors you know, in, in the next few months. Maybe the Reserve Bank watches to see what's happening, and if that doesn't do much, then you know, do we see 40% come back? Because we know that uh, at the end of 2016, when they put in place that 40% deposit requirement, that did. There may have been other things going on, but that certainly did make an impact. Uh, and, and those mortgage investors did find that a lot tougher. So, and and there was talk at that time of you know, rapidly rising house prices, financial stability risks. So, I guess those factors for why they bought them in last time would apply this time. And so, you know, I wouldn't rule out 40% again. Could be a wait and see approach, but but you know, who knows? In a year's time, we might be might be looking at that. Um, and then, um, yeah, around the around the the LVRs, the way they are now, yeah, it just it just feels like there's there's so much demand out there. 
you know, maybe you take out a few kind of marginal investors, but a first home buyer just comes in or an investor who, who has the 30% already. And I've just been doing a bit of reading and, and, and reading bits and pieces. And, and, you know, some of these people who maybe are freeing up the, the money through borrowing against another property or through their own house or whatever, you know, bear in mind that property might've gone up 10% in the last, five or six months. So so finding that extra bit for the deposit to meet the new LVRs has maybe already been done for them. So it, it um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't think it's going to change change the course too much, but um, it is a signalling thing. And who knows, 40% might be on the cards later. Yeah, I think it's an interesting consideration. I think as you've, as you've touched on there, it really comes down to the Reserve Bank feeling like, you know, with the rate of growth and the... Um, dominance or the share of sales going to investors that that decreases financial stability that's the reason they'd bring it in not just because of the the rate of increase of prices on their own and that's probably the key point and that's where i think it switches back to the government who are actually saying you know because of the strong price growth it's going against some of our other targets you know which are and which really comes down to um you know, I suppose inequality, I think, where, yes, there's many people able to get into the market, but it's taking further away from other sections of the market. And that's where their key consideration comes in. And there's all this talk of the, the K-shaped recovery, you know, the, the pumping of money into the economy is going to essentially homeowners, anyone that owns a home or owns assets, as opposed to those without. And those are people that rent. Those are people that are more likely to have seen a drop in their income or a loss of income or a loss of their job because of the pandemic. And so it's just seeing this divide over open up and that's what the government's concerned about and that's where I think if it comes down to that that's when it needs to be you know government policy as opposed to reserve bank side of things from a from a financial perspective and I think that's that's the key challenge here I mean if we look at you know potential solutions I think you know pretty much most people agree that a big part of this has to be improving supply improving not just the number of properties being built but the type the affordability of the properties being built, where they're being built. And so you cannot get away from the importance of supply here. And I think, you know, one thing I'd like to see talked about a bit more is how does the government influence, you know, cheaper and faster off-site manufacturing? We need to see that become more prevalent. Yes, it might only be at the moment, you know, improve time or, or cost um, a little bit, but with more investment, this could potentially, you know, be able to speed things up and certainly be able to make things cheaper. We've got to look at the scale in New Zealand, so it's not a, it's not a simple, you know, answer here. But I think we'd like to see that talked about more. And also, I think the other side of this, or the big part of that, is investment in infrastructure as well. You know, we need to increase and improve the connectivity and livability throughout our cities. You know, where people want to live, we need to make sure that the right types of infrastructure are built to get to those places and around those places so they are more livable for people. And I think we need to see stronger investment in that. And there's sort of no better time than the present with the government being able to borrow more money to invest in that infrastructure as well. And I think, you know, tied into that as well, we need to make sure that we're using land to its best use. You know, we do see greater intensification in areas where people want to live with good with good access as well, and maybe to, to you know, incentivise that land use so that we're seeing you know, more intensification, we need to see some sort of land tax looked at. Um, certainly don't have all the answers on this, but I think there's been a number of papers out there that, that do say there can be some useful forms of land taxes to encourage the best use of that land. So I think there's a consideration to be given for that. Um, and the other side of it as well, I think the government can influence, and I've heard some discussion about this, is you know, the cost to build. So yes, it might be through off-site manufacturing, but in general, it's relatively expensive to build here in New Zealand, um, down to a number of reasons. You know, the size of the big 
building agencies we've got here, but needs to be investigated and potentially, you know, influenced by the government to make it cheaper to build new properties um, where the private market's doing that as well. So I think that needs to be sort of brought into the government build program to some degree to assess how much it costs to build in New Zealand. And as I said, also the speed to build. So I think those are the key or key couple of things I've been I've been thinking about from a supply perspective that I think could help us help us out in terms of um, influencing and, and speeding things up. And I think we do need to talk about demand as well. Much more debatable, probably more complex and difficult to talk about. But, um, you know, we need to look at, you know, reducing this property owning obsession in New Zealand. And I think one, one thing that comes that really comes to mind with this is, you know, part of the greatest appeal of property, when you talk to anyone who does it, invest in property, not just owner-occupied, but investment as well, is the fact that it provides some form of passive income in retirement and so why is that the only viable option for so many people you know are there other types of investments out there that could provide a passive income as well as potential capital gain which is obviously a big appeal of property at the moment as well that then people won't only see property as this is the only way i'm going to have a comfortable retirement so how do we look to incentivize other forms of investment maybe um, again you're stuffing with the market here so i get that you know you maybe want to play with it too much and the other side, I think this has been looked at by the current government as well, is you know improving the security and the appeal of renting. You know, renting for life or being able to rent and have the flexibility should be a viable long-term option for people. But it's just not at the moment because people don't feel as secure when you're renting a property as you do when you own a property. So there's so much incentive to own that property. You know, if you're trying to bring up a family, because it gives you that that security of owning your own home, doing what you want, and, and not feeling like you could be, you know, having to move out at short short um, notice. So I think we need to continue to look at, you know, how viable rental renting is for people, so that they're not so that they're not the only option to the future for people is to have to own your own property. Um, and the other side as well, can we favour investment in new builds? So you know, investors who who are creating a, a, a property on the market, investing in new stock, there's an incentive there for them to do so rather than buying up the existing stock, which maybe we leave for owner-occupiers, first-home buyers and the like as well. So is there a way the government can influence investors to keep buying those new properties and building off the plan so that they are helping to increase stock as well? And I'm sure this is happening to a degree anyway, but can we actually incentivize it even further so they're essentially helping out the government with those those incentives or those targets to try and improve the number of properties being built? So, look, there's my you know five minutes of potential solutions there. It's not exhaustive. I'm sure there's many more, uh, but just trying to bring a few other ideas to the equation here and, and consider what else can be done because I think, yeah, the, the Reserve Bank has certainly got their hands tied here at the moment. So I'll, um, I'll throw back to you then, mate. I've sort of just listed off a few things that have been going through my noggin over the weekend as it tends to do. Um, any any further thoughts on that, mate, or should we should we shift over? What do you want to do? Nothing to add on those. Yeah, great, uh, great suggestions. And I think people need to remember that, that over the long run, as a nation, you don't get wealthier through rising house prices. All you're doing is um, people owning houses are effectively getting rich at the expense of people that don't. And, and all a rising house price means is that somebody who doesn't own a house has to pay more to buy it. And, you know, there might be, there are, marginal effects through feeling wealthier that that's confidence effect these things but over the long run um you know as an aggregate nation you don't actually get richer through through rising house prices it's just taking from one and giving to another basically so so that that as you say that divide that's sort of opening up and these equality issues that we or inequality that we're getting uh you know that's that's definitely legit there's rising house prices are 
uh, making it hard, making it sort of better for the people that do own and those low interest rates at the expense of people that don't. So, yeah, um, don't know. Luckily, I'm not the prime minister and don't have to uh, don't have to decide these things. But but yeah, it's it's obviously a, a big issue and a rising issue. And, and you know, it's, as I said earlier, it's gee, it's, it feels like it's got political fast um, and, and perhaps not surprisingly, given given the equality issues. So yeah, you know, all good. It's probably one of those ones, right? It's just the it's just the perfect storm of, you know, being in this pandemic. So there's obviously been lots of money thrown at the economy and we just had an election. So there's been potential promises. It's just, I think it's all that stuff that's brought this to a head quite quickly um, in the last in the last couple of weeks. But um, as I said, it's interesting nonetheless. You know, there's so much information out there. You know, part of our job is obviously to be across everything that's out there. And the key part of that at the moment seems to be filtering out the stuff that is uh is not as worthwhile taking on board as much as it is reading the stuff that's actually quite useful so yeah and as always trying to bring some some data back to it anyway but um look mate, let's let's move on there i think we've covered that you know pretty well i'm certainly keen to get other thoughts as well you know i was throwing a few new things out there so if, you know for those listening do get in touch with your thoughts on you know how i actually think that we need to address this this situation at the moment but otherwise we will move on and um look in terms of data the house price index data, the CoreLogic house price index data for November, uh, we're going to receive this morning. I've seen some preliminary figures, and look, I think the key thing here to say is that the data is going to do nothing to slow down this discussion on this rapidly rising property market. All the data looks like it strengthened from the month before. No surprises there. We already knew that was going to be the case. All the anecdotes, all the information that's coming through throughout November uh, have been confirmed by this data. So that'll be out. Um, we'll be releasing that to media today, and that'll be out under embargo for tomorrow at this stage. So it should be um, you know online and in and, and people's faces tomorrow, I suspect. Um, the other one, of course, from last week, though, was the pain and gain report, Calvin. Um, look, given all the commentary and look, everything's just going to come back to this today, it essentially just provided further evidence of that market performance, that strong market performance. And I think our release pretty much played off the back of that. But you did, um, of course, put that report together. Did you want to touch on those results at all? Maybe just give us a few high-level insights. We might have even talked about it last week. This Things are just going so fast now, I can't remember what, what happened yesterday. Yeah, we, 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 touched, we gave a little uh, sort of preliminary steer last week and and yeah, it just confirmed what we know that that, that prices have risen. And if you if you've held for five years, ten years, thirty years, you know, as some of these transactions have, of course you're going to be showing a, a sale price higher than, than what you paid. So yeah, it it, it, it sort of was more of the same. Um, I touched on last week that maybe that slight divergence between apartments and houses, which is you know, worth keeping an eye on. We know that historically. Uh, the, the the apartment sector can be a little bit more volatile and and can sort of feel a little bit more resale pain than than houses. Uh, so those those apartments tend to be investor owned a bit more and and so yeah that's that, it's certainly nothing major yet but but something to keep an eye on. If we did enter a weaker sort of economic and property market phase, that would be potentially a story of interest as a, a divergence between those two types, but. Yeah, for now it was it was pretty much more of the same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, given all the stuff we've been talking about, you know, our expectation is that property prices continue to grow essentially, you know, the rest of this year into next year. So that looks less and less likely. But as you say, you never quite know what's around the corner. So it's always worthwhile considering. Right, mate, well, I hand to you to look at what's coming up in the next week in just a few seconds, but I just want to touch on the early market indicators. Gave them a bit more time last week. It's pretty much the same story. We did actually see a slight lift in those appraisals generated by agents um, last week. 
uh, early last week, but they've started to drift lower once again as well. So it's just sort of hovering around about the same level. But as we spoke about last week, it's about now we expect these volumes of appraisals generated flowing through to listings, dropping away now. And that certainly looks like it's the case. Whereas valuations, our measure of demand for mortgages, you know, are even slightly strengthening once again. So that demand, people going into the bank, talking about buying property, getting valuations for those properties, you know, it's just not slowing down. So I think that just, you know, as I just touched on, points further to supply remaining tight, but demand persisting, which only leads to that further growth. So I expect that to happen in these in these summer months as we kick into December as of tomorrow. So um, wrap us up, mate. What are you looking ahead for for this week? There are three three key releases I'm watching for this week. Uh, today, in, in about well, as, as we're recording, in about 45 minutes, we'll get the uh, October filled jobs from Stats New Zealand. So uh, that's out very shortly. Um, building consensus is due out later in the week from Stats New Zealand on Thursday. And then also later today, we've got business confidence from ANZ. So I think I'm not going to talk about them individually because I think you could probably just lump them all together in one and say that jobs, confidence and building consent will all be pretty solid. I don't think there's any chance that those things will have shown any real change in terms of a downside move. Jobs will still be at good levels compared to pre-COVID. Business confidence you know, will be sort of down, but still, still pretty solid. And building consent still still soaring along, you know, to fit that need for for extra housing. So, yep, I think short and sharp, really, they're going to all look pretty good. Yep, no, I agree, mate. Just further evidence, as we said. So, um, look, that'll wrap us up for today. I think great discussion, and obviously, there's there's plenty going on, and I don't expect it to slow down. But uh, thank you once again for your thoughts and keeping on top of all that stuff, mate. There's there's just so much to keep a track of. So thanks once again. Um, and just to say thanks for this. Thanks for listening. Please do subscribe. Uh, rate us as well. Help the word get out there and review the, uh, the podcast. It'd be great to hear from you. Get in touch with us via Twitter, LinkedIn, also email address, all those details within the notes in your podcast player. Just leaves me to say, my name's Nick. He's Calvin. You've been listening to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast. Mā Thank you.